Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. How are you going this morning? Good. All right. Awesome. Fantastic. For those of you who don't know me, if you're joining us this morning, if you're a guest, my name is Josh and uh, I'm the senior leader here at Activate Christchurch. It's my pleasure to welcome you this morning. It's a privilege to have you here with us this morning. You've picked an exciting Sunday to come to church. I mean, every Sunday is an exciting Sunday to come to church, but this morning is especially exciting because this morning is what we're calling Vision Sunday, which if you've been in church for any great length of time or you've popped your head in now and again, you might be familiar with this concept. It's a lot of churches do it. It's essentially a chance for the senior leader to get up in front of everybody and say, hey, this is what we're about. This is where we are going this year. This is what our, our purpose is. This is where our focus is going to be. This is what we are prioritizing this year. These are our kind of main points. This is our mission. This is our purpose. This is our vision. This is our calling. And I think all of that's great. I think it's great that churches do that because vision is really important. The Bible says um, in Proverbs 29.18, where there is no vision, the people perish. How many people would like to perish? Uh, why have I got my hand up? I don't want to do that. But the Bible says, if you don't have vision, that's kind of where you end up. You end up going down this track where just, you kind of just cease to really exist or contribute anything in any meaningful way. Uh, the NIV puts it this way, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Essentially, if you don't have vision, then what are you do- where are you going? I mean, think about it. It's logical. Right? Isn't it, Pat? If you don't know where you're going, how can you ever get there? If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, how can you ever do it? If you don't know who you're supposed to be, how can you ever be that person? We have to have vision. And it's important as a church, I think, to be able to articulate what the church's vision is and why we are here and what we're hoping to achieve. And it's equally, if not more important, that as individuals we can articulate that as well. Why are you here? What are you meant to be doing with your life? What am I meant to be doing with my life? And we'll circle back to that um, you know, a little bit later. So this morning, the goal of this morning is for me to outline what I think God is saying over the church for 2020, particularly over Activate Christchurch, which is where we find ourselves this morning. And I just want to be clear, this is not like a Moses went up the mountain, heard from God, came down and tells the people, this is very much a collaborative effort. We went away as an eldership team at the end of November last year and we prayed and we sought God and we ate together and we you know, strategized together and we talked together. And So everything that I'm going to say to you this morning, I have sat down and run through with the eldership team and articulated it as closely as I could. Whoa, lights. Where'd they go? Um, the irony of turning the lights off during Vision Sunday, it's not lost on me. So everything that I'm going to say to you this morning has been endorsed and ticked by the elders, so it's not just me, it's the eldership team, and as well as the elders too. So you know, you've got me that hears from God, you've got the elders that are hearing from God. I also talk to people like Sheridan, who's the overseeing minister for our church. I talk to other pastors within the X movement. I talk to pastors from outside the X movement, because I think it makes sense that if God is saying something to us as a church, he's probably saying something similar to other churches at the same time time because we are one church and the Bible says we are one body. 
Now, we have different functions and different parts. Some people are hands, some people are feet. You feel sorry for the feet people. Some people are noses and ears and eyes. But it doesn't make a lot of sense for God to be saying to a hand, I want you heading in this direction, and then to say to the feet, but I want you heading over here. Like, if you ever, that's just not going to work. So even though we function differently, we have different purposes direction-wise and overall kind of emphasis, we should kind of, you should see a pattern and a theme kind of coming out in all the churches if they're hearing from God uh, around the world. And so a lot of what I'm going to say this morning is very specific to us as a church, but there are some things that I think actually uh, are going to apply to that church as a body. Does that make sense? All right, we're on board. Cool. So I've got three things this morning, and it's not like God just said three things, but there's three things that I've chosen to kind of pick out as as something that I think is applicable to all of us. And so um, we're going to nail our colours to the mast this morning. So this is being recorded. This is going to go up on the podcast. You can take notes. You can point back to this day, this time. You can say, Josh, this was what you said, and it's going to be out there for everybody to look back on and, and go, well, did this happen or did this not happen? So let's just see how we go. The first thing, of these three things, there's no particular order of importance, but I've got to say them in some order. So the first thing that I believe God has said to us as a church is this, and that is, oh, look at this first, definition of vision. How cool is this? The ability to think about or plan the future with imagination and wisdom. That's what vision essentially is. And when you add God to that, You've got the ability to think about and plan the future with God-given imagination and God-given wisdom. So that's what we're trying to do here this morning. So the first thing is, here we go, 2020 is a year of foundation on which the next decade will be built. That is what I believe, not just for this church, but I believe this is actually applying to that church all around the world. In fact, when I first got this word from God, I thought it applied to just Liz and myself. I was outside walking up my shingle road that I walk up where I'm praying with God and I was praying about our family. And uh, one of the ways that I hear from God often is that I'll be praying out loud and then something will come out of my mouth that I know was not me. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but you'll be praying, you'll be talking about stuff, and then something just comes out and you go, where'd that come from? And so I was praying for my family, and I was praying for Liz, and I was praying for my kids, and then literally, I can point to the exact spot, patch of grass that I was on, I said out loud, 2020 is going to be a year of foundation in which the next decade is built. And that's not something that I would normally say. It's not how I'd normally talk. And so I stopped and I went, oh, that sounded like a God thing. And I you know, said it out loud a few more times. And I was like, yes, that actually is a God thing. And so I came back and I said to Liz, this is what I believe for us as a family this year. I said, this year, we're not going to worry about all the bells and whistles. We're not going to worry about achieving this and achieving that. We're not going to worry about necessarily you know, looking flash and adding this and doing that and all the stuff that you can get bogged down as families, you know, like we've got to get the kids here and this. I said, this year is just going to be a year of foundation where we just focus on keeping the main thing the main thing. We focus on building habits that are then going to influence the next 10 years of our life. We're going to be people that read our Bibles every day. We're going to be a couple that pray together. We're going to be a couple that you know, push into God, that prioritise the things that God wants us to prioritise. And then as we started talking about it and as I mulled it over over the next couple of weeks, I realised this is not just a word for us, but I was actually picking up on something that God was saying to the church. So for us at Activate, this year, 2020, is going to be a year of foundation. Foundation is the key word, and if you look up other words that mean the same thing as foundation, you get words like basis or starting point or beginning fundamentals. This year for us is going to be a year where we really focus on the fundamentals of what being a disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. 
That's what I believe God has for us this year. So that means things like we're going to be talking about reading our Bibles. We're going to be talking about praying. We're going to be talking about fasting. We're going to be talking about putting God first. We're going to be talking about laying other things aside. We're going to talk about making the main thing the main thing and then keeping the main thing the maintain, which is a saying I heard the other day. Right? And so on that, one of the first things we're going to do, and I know that you might be tempted to say, well, it's, that's not too much. It's a terrible graphic. You can hardly read it. But we're going to start doing a church-wide prayer meeting. And we're going to start doing it on the first Tuesday night of every month. So not this Tuesday, which is the last Tuesday in Feb, but the next Tuesday, which is the 3rd of March, down here at church, 7 o'clock, we're just going to pray. No agenda, not going to turn up with a list of things that need to be prayed for, but we're just going to start having regular prayer meetings here at church. And you might say, well, once a month isn't heaps, and that's true, but it's better than nothing, got to start somewhere. I'd rather start small and be consistent and build on it than come out with a, here's 20 different prayer meetings you can go to in the next two weeks, and then, you know, you all get bleh. So we're going to start with one. So there's no obligation to turn up. It's here, it's happening. We're going to be here, we're going to be praying. I don't know how long it's going to go for. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if we'll have some music and stuff and then prayer or whatever, but we're going to commit that time to Jesus and to God on the first Tuesday of every month because 2020 is a year of foundation. Uh, That's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, and this might sound almost almost the opposite of what I've just said, because one of the things that I believe the Year of Foundation looks like is that as a church, we're not overly... How would I phrase it? We're not overly focused on necessarily growing as a church numerically, because the foundation, getting our foundation right, is the priority. And I don't know if you've ever built anything, like we built our house in 2015. The foundation process is not sexy. Like, it's not overly exciting to look at from the outside, There's a lot of really serious work that goes on. When we built our house, we were living next door to where our house was being built. And so we could get up every morning and check the progress to see how it was going. And when they came out with the diggers and stuff, we got all excited, like, yes, diggers and trucks and dirt and, oh, it's all happening. And then like two weeks later, this is just still diggers and trucks and dirt and nothing. Like the house is only like a foot taller than it was before it started because there's concrete mixes going in and bracing and strengthening and all this kind of stuff. And the temptation is to look at it and go, well... That's nothing's really happening. But then they brought the frames and the trusses out. And the frames and trusses are built off-site, and they just come out on the back of a truck. And in a day, we have a house up with walls and rooms, and we could walk in with the kids and go, this is your bedroom, and here's the doorway. And that stuff happened in a day, but it happened because the foundations had been laid. And so this year, we're not going to be overly concerned, overly focused on necessarily you know, outside appearances of how things are looking because we're more focused on foundational stuff and what's happening inside of us. But the second thing for this year is that I believe that there is a grace to grow in 2020. So even though I'm saying it's not going to be a huge priority and a huge focus, I think it's still going to happen because God's going to bring people in. Um, When Jesus was talking with Peter in Matthew chapter 16, uh, he says to Peter, who do you say I am? It is hands down the single most important question you will ever answer in your life. Who do you say I am? Your answer to that question will influence your life more than any other question that could ever be asked in your life. Who do you say I am? An interesting question to ask yourself if you read through the Gospels is at what point did the disciples become Christians? Because the disciples were not Christians 
when Jesus asked them to be his disciples. They had an ongoing relationship with Jesus as they lived with him and talked with him and traveled with him and ate with him. And at some point, all of them came to this revelation, I think you're the son of God and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. But it didn't start like that. You know, as, as churches, we get this idea that, well, first you have to become a believer, you have to become a Christian, and then we'll disciple you in the ways of Jesus. Whereas Jesus was like, nah, man, just start doing what I'm doing, start talking the way I'm talking, let's just hang out, let's have a relationship, and at some point, you move across from not being a believer to being a believer. So it's an interesting question to ask, at what point did the disciples become Christians? You could even make the case that Thomas didn't even become a believer until after Jesus Christ had come back from the dead. He wasn't convinced at all. In fact, when someone said Jesus has come back from the dead, he said, I'm not going to believe it until I see you know, the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet. Well, if he'd believed that Jesus was the Son of God, then he wouldn't have had a problem believing he'd come back from the dead. So there was some doubt there. That's why he's, unfortunately for Thomas, gets referred to as Doubting Thomas, because one time he made one comment about a guy coming back to life, like cut the guy some slack, right? But it's an interesting question. At what point did the disciples become Christians? I think sometimes, this isn't what I'm supposed to talk about, but I think sometimes we're way too harsh on people. You know, like, get your life sorted out. You've got to look like this and look like that. Just, everyone just needs to chill. So Jesus says to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter says to Jesus, because he's had this revelation, he says, you are the Son of God. You are the Christ. So Peter has got it. And then Jesus says, awesome, bro. You got given that revelation by God, which is kind of like this backhanded compliment of, you're not smart enough to work that out yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. You know, God gave you that revelation. And then he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. And because Peter means rock, and because Peter became, uh, you know, the first letter of the church, a lot of people think that Jesus is saying to Peter, on you, I will build my church. But he's not. What he's saying is on the revelation that I am the son of God, I will build my church on that revelation, that rock, that foundation. But here's my point. Who builds his church? Jesus does. Jesus says, I will build my church. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down and all of the believers in the upper room and they start speaking in different languages and they go out into the street and everyone can understand what's being said because they're all speaking in different languages. And then Peter gets up and preaches and a couple of thousand people become Christians you know, all in one day. And it says this at the end of Acts chapter 2, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and were enjoying the favor of all the people. So they were doing everything right. Like everything that they knew how to do, I mean, they were nailing it. At the last verse, though, of chapter 2, Luke, who wrote Acts, says this, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Even when the early church was nailing it with signs and miracles and people selling stuff and giving to the poor and everyone's just on the same page, even then, Luke said, no credit. You can't give them any credit for the church growing. It was God that did it. Right, And so I don't believe that any church can grow unless God grows that particular church, unless there's a grace to grow it. And I believe that for us in 2020, there is a grace to grow. This is where I get a little bit nervous and I, 
I wrestled about whether or not to even share this bit with you, but I actually believe that there is not just a grace to grow in 2020, but you can write this down, there is a grace to double in 2020. A grace to double in 2020. And I was hesitant to say it from the front because this is trackable. Right? If I had just, if I had just gone, grace to grow, I'm out of the woods. Right? How many people joined the church? Five. Well, I said there's grace to grow. I mean, all I had to do was just not shrink the church and I would have been okay. Right? But no, I had to go and put double on it. We average 75 to 80 people on a Sunday morning, including kids. So what this means, let's just be honest, what this means is that, you know, by this time next year, we're averaging 150 people. Um, And... I don't care about the numbers. I really don't. I would make the point that I think we all understand intrinsically that healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. We are planting hedges around our fence, uh, that fences in our house. We've got a 10-acre lifestyle block out in Swananoa. We've got a house paddock right in the middle with a fence around it. It's maybe half an acre. And Liz, I say we, but it's Liz. Liz is planting hedges around the fence. And she's planted the same hedges, the same plants at the same time, And they're doing awesome on one side of the house, but they're not growing on the other side of the house. They're still the same size. They're now half the size that they were when they planted. I mean, the the half size of the ones on the other side. They were both the same size. You get my point. One's growing, one hasn't. But then we stand in our bedroom window or the kitchen, we look out and we're like, what the heck is wrong with those plants? Why aren't they growing? And we're going, is the soil different on this side? Is there a prevailing wind that's coming through that the other ones are getting? Like, we don't even, it doesn't even occur to us that everything is the way it should be. Because we look at it and we go, it's not growing. And we just know something's off. And we all know that, right? You, you see that all the time. Like, I've got a son, Harrison. He's eight. He's this big. Well, if you came back in 10 years' time and he still looked like this, you'd be like, what's wrong with that kid? <laughs> Right? We all understand that healthy things grow. And yes, there are a lot of different ways that you can measure growth in a church than just how many people are sitting on a seat on a Sunday morning. I understand all of that. But fundamentally, I believe that if a church is healthy, it will grow. In October last year, I was up in uh, Auckland at our Acts National Conference. We had the whole eldership team with us. We had our staff with us and a couple of other key people from the church. And So every year, there's about 60 or 65 Acts churches in New Zealand. We're part of the Acts movement. There's four of us in Christchurch and like I say, 60 or so around New Zealand. And every year we come together in October in Auckland and we do a three-day conference and we just it's great to connect with other pastors and get some teaching and be prayed for and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things they do at the conference is they take up an offering called Vision Offering. And all the churches contribute to it. And the idea is that money is not used for administrative purposes or for salaries or anything like that. It is 100% used to grow the church. So that money is used to plant churches, to support churches, to help churches, whatever, to grow churches, whatever. But it is very much a vision offering. And so every year, every church knows that there'll be an opportunity to give into that. And every year, this church, Activate Christ Church, gives into that offering. And every year, we've given the same amount for the last however many years. In fact, it is budgeted for before we even go up. We set our budget in March. We all know as trustees that we've got the conference in October. They're going to ask for a vision offering. So we talk about it then. We set it in the budget. So when we go up, I know what to put on the envelope and what to put in there because we've all agreed on it. It's in the budget. Uh, This year, I was sitting there, and this is my first time in conference, and I wasn't a part of the previous uh, budgets and stuff like that, but I'm sitting there, and they put out the call for the vision offering, and I know what the figure is and what I'm supposed to write on the envelope, 
And I felt like God said, I want you to give more, which is a very God thing to say. He never says, I think you're being too generous. <laughs> you know, I've never been like, hey, I'm thinking of giving this, and God goes, that's way too much. Never happens. So he said, I want you to give more. And I'll tell you what my first thought was. My first thought was, it's not my money. That was my first thought. Oh, I don't care, it's church's money. But then I thought, no, I'm the pastor, I have to be responsible. And so I said, well, how much, how much more do you want me to give? And he said, I want you to double it. I said, whoa, why? And I believe that he said this to me in October last year. I believe he said, if you double your offering, that is a seed that is being planted and you will harvest that in 2020. If you double your offering, I will double your church next year. That was what I believe he said. So I, I called the elders together and uh, I said, hey, this is what I think God's saying and I think we should look at increasing our offering. What do you think? And all the elders went away and came back and said, yep, we agree with it. Let's increase it. And so last year we doubled our offering at Vision Conference. Uh, sorry, at Acts Conference in the Vision Offering. And I believe that was a seed that was sown to release a grace over us this year to double in 2020. Now, there's a huge part of me that goes, why am I saying all of this publicly? Because again, this time next year, you can sit in your seat, look around and go, oh, yep. Uh, and so I kind, of, I kind of thought, oh, God, maybe I could just get away with saying there's a grace and we don't have to double. But I thought about it and I thought, you know, the only reason that I would not say this is because I'm being a wimp. It's the only reason. There's no other reason for me to not say this other than I would be scared that it doesn't happen the way that I think it's going to happen, and then in a year's time, you'll all be like, well, Josh was wrong, and I'd look stupid. Have you ever felt God ask you to do something or say something, and you haven't done it because you thought, what if I look stupid? You ever felt like that? That was how I felt. I was like, what if I do this and I look stupid? And then I thought, well, it's a year away. I'll let future Josh worry about that. I'm not going to feel stupid. Future Josh will feel stupid, so that's fine. No, he won't. No, he won't. And, and then I thought about it. Thank you, Liz. Then I thought, what is the worst thing that can happen? Is that you go, my pastor felt that God said something. He believed what God said. He told us, and he was a bit off. That's the worst thing that can happen. And so I thought, well, if the worst thing that can happen is that I look stupid for believing in God, then I'm happy to look stupid every day. So, but this will not be because we're going after it. It won't be because we're, all of a sudden we've doubled or quadrupled our advertising budget or you see people with boards out on the street saying, come to Activate on Sunday. None of that's going to happen. I just, I'm just, we're not going to do anything different to what we're doing now, but I believe that there's a grace for us to grow and God will bring people in and the Lord will add to our number. But not because that's our focus, but because that is the grace that is on us. Is that cool? All right. Now we're up to the third thing. What is behind the sheets? You have no idea how long it took me to hang those flipping sheets. <laughs> I was in here by myself on Friday, and I thought, how am I going to cover that stuff up? And you'd think it would be simple, but oh, string and sheets, they did not want to play the game, and they'd fall off. And Anyway, it better be worth it for the big reveal. Yes, I can get them down. Well, in theory, they're tied to this little thing here, and in my brain, if I cut it, then the weight of the sheets will fall down, and then you'll see what's there. That's the plan. It might, I might cut it and nothing might happen and that would be lame, but anyway. Uh, I want to, so the first thing was 2020 is a year of foundation. Second thing was there is a grace to double in 2020. So just be aware of that when new people start coming in. It's not because we're doing it, it's because God's bringing them in. All right, And that's what a healthy church looks like. Uh, and then the third thing I want to talk to you about is our verse for the year. And this is kind of a big deal. 
Um, we had the eldership retreat at the end of November last year, and I said to all of our elders, hey, I want you to go away and pray. I want you to talk to God fast. Do whatever it is that you feel to do so that when we come together on the retreat, we're bringing something in. We're like, this is what we think God's saying. We're not going to come together and spend two days trying to work out what God's saying. I want you to come already knowing what he's saying. We'll just put all the ideas into a pot and go from there. And then it occurred to me about two weeks before we came together that I should probably do that. So I said to God, right, God, I'm going to go on a fast. And I said, I'm going to fast for like a week. And when I fast, I'm just going to do water. If I do a fast for anything more than like four or five days, and I get Liz to make me this drink, it's got like water, a bit of lemon juice, and a teaspoon of honey. And that just, I don't know, I love it, it's awesome. But other than that, I don't have any food. And so I thought, I'm going to fast for a week. And I don't know why it's called a fast, because whenever I do it, it goes so slow. It's like, I hate it, man. Hate it. And I get like two days into it, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm your son. If I don't make Harrison starve himself for giving me anything. That's not why you do it, right? You don't fast because you're trying to convince a mean dad to do what you want. You don't do it that way. You fast because when you fast, it positions you to hear from God. There's something about fasting that just shuts all the other noise down that you've got going on in your life. And you fast. God is always talking to us. I believe that God is always talking to us. But we don't hear him a lot of the time. But when you fast, it just shuts all that other stuff down. It just positions you to hear from God. And my experience has always been that when I fast, I hear from God better. Um, I hear his heart better. I, I get more from him when I fast. And so that's why I did it. Not because I needed to convince God to do anything, but because I needed to sort out you know, the receiver. The transmitter wasn't the problem, but the receiver needed to be fine-tuned. Anyway, all that to say that I got to like day three and I thought I was going to die. So I remember on the third day, uh, I was saying goodnight to Jess. We've got this rectangle house. So if you were looking down at it from above, it's just a rectangle with the garage kicked off the side. And the kids' bedrooms are down one end of the house and our bedroom's down the other end. And so uh, I said goodnight to Jess in her bedroom. And I'm walking back to my bedroom and it's like day three and I'm like this. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. I was like this down the hallway. Had to stop and lean on the hall. Oh God. And I said to God, God, I can't do another four days. I'm just going to kill myself. You know, do you want my kids to have no dad? That's not on your heart. And my wife's going to be a widow. She can't do it. And so I said, I said, God, the whole reason I'm doing this is because I want to hear what your heart is for Activate in 2020. I need a Bible verse that just sums up everything in one verse. And there's no reason that you can't give that to me now. I don't need to fast another four days. Let's just strike up a deal right here. You just tell me now. So I'm walking down the hallway and I said, God, I need a verse. I need a verse that, that I can bring to the church that tells us what our purpose is, what our mission is, what our vision is. God, what is our calling? Why are we here? I need a Bible verse for that. And I stepped into my bedroom. I'm not even joking, like instantaneous. Uh, I got the verse. Don't look it up because you ruined the surprise. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 just dropped into my heart straight away. Now, whenever that happens... You always go, is that God? Or I just make up a Bible verse. Right? And then you open the Bible and you go, I made up a Bible verse. <laughs> right? But sometimes it's God. And my first thought was, I don't know what Ephesians 4.12 is, but it's a pretty good shot in the dark. Like Ephesians is not that bad. And I thought, I thought, well, even if it's not from God, I can probably shoehorn it into some kind of thing. But, so, I'm walking down the hall like, you know, what is our purpose? What is our calling? 
being, Ephesians 4 verse 12. All right, I'm going to look it up. I mean, I did just ask for a Bible verse. I probably shouldn't be this shocked that I got a Bible verse. So I open up my Bible on my phone because I've got version on my phone and it opens up to the Passion Translation, which I don't read all the time. I prefer to read the NIV. I study out of the King James, but I like to read the Passion every now and again. I must have been reading it because that was what was open on my phone. And so I said to God, what is our purpose? What is our mission? What is our calling? I open up my Bible and the first three words of Ephesians 4 verse 12, and their calling is... Yeah, I nailed it. I want to cut the sheet. Sheet, I said sheet. So what is their calling? Ephesians 4 verse 12 says, and their calling is, is this going to work? Ha, look at that. Woohoo! It says their calling is to Nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Obviously, the key phrase here is believers to do their own works of ministry. I believe this is what God is calling us to do as a church. I don't even necessarily believe it's a 2020 thing. We don't have the right color light on that. It looks better with a white light. We'll get Ash to fix it. He's our tech guy. But this, could be some, this might be something that goes on for the next decade. You know, we say this is a year of foundation that the next decade is going to be built on. This, this could be something that we just leave on that wall for years and years and years. Because fundamentally, this is my and our and God's vision for this church is that we are here to equip you for your vision. And I know that that's not necessarily the way it's always been done, and I'm not saying that to do it the other way. I know that there are churches that say, well, look, you come on board and we're going to do this and do this, and here's the different areas that you can click into and help. And, and that's, I think, I think the season on that way of doing church is ending, and I think God is actually calling this into the church around the globe. I think that there is going to be a shift in the way that churches uh, operate. There's going to be a shift in what they focus on. Sheridan touched on it last week. He said, as a rule, as a generalization, the Western church has been not too bad at generating or building believers, but not very good at making disciples. And a disciple is someone who imitates the person they are following. A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who acts like Jesus Christ, talks like Jesus Christ, thinks like Jesus Christ, walks like Jesus Christ, says what he said, does what he did and thinks what he thought. And as a rule, as a generalisation, the Western church has not been awesome at doing it. And I actually think that there is a new emphasis coming in in which God is saying, this is actually what I need you to focus on for the next 10 years. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to be talking about becoming Christians. It doesn't mean we're not going to be presenting the gospel message. It doesn't mean every Sunday we're not going to get up and say, if you don't know Jesus, here's a chance to get to know him. But I think it's just going to be a a shift in emphasis. And it's not one or the other, it's a tension between two points. The Bible is filled with tensions between two points. And so, yes, we are here to make believers, but we are also here to build disciples. Um, I can't remember what my next slide is. There you go, look at this. People do not exist to grow the church, the church exists to grow people. People do not exist to grow the church. The church exists to grow people. Obviously, there are things that, as an organization, we need. We need people that have got skills musically. We need people that have got skills you know, in a lot of different areas. And so what I'm not saying is that, hey, we're here to grow you. We don't need your help. Well, of course we need your help. 
Of course there are things that you can do in the church, but that doesn't... I believe that every single one of us has a purpose and um, a reason for being placed on this planet, and it is so much bigger than just so that you can come to church on a Sunday and help us put on a service. It's so much bigger than just finding out what this church is doing and going, well, how can I help with that? It's so much bigger than that. And I think sometimes we create this economy where churches go, well, look, you go out there and tell people about this church and bring them to this church and then we'll take it from there. Thank you very much. And that's not what God wants, I don't think, in this next season. Um, You guys have heard the saying, you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. That's probably a good way to describe what I'm talking about. This is going to be a place where we're not necessarily focused on giving you something to eat every Sunday morning as much as we are focused on teaching you how to feed yourself. Does that make sense? So you're going to, get, you're going to hear a lot from the front. Read your Bibles. That's how you feed yourself. Don't come to church on a Sunday and expect Josh to tell you what God's saying, but you can expect me to help train and equip you to hear what God is saying for yourself. Because what we need are Christians that are equipped and trained and know what they're doing. So our responsibility in this verse, their calling, this is the calling for us as a church, to nurture and prepare all the holy believers. That's you. So as a church, we will take responsibility to nurture you. We will take responsibility to prepare you. Both of those words are a Greek word, which literally means to completely furnish. That's the definition of that word. Uh, it's translated equip in the NIV, but that's, that's our job. Our job is to make sure that you have everything that you need so that you can do what God has called you to do. It's not our job to tell you what God's called you to do or to tell you to help us do what God's called us to do. What this does do is it puts a lot more responsibility on us as individuals to go, well, what am I supposed to be doing then? What is my uh, individual or personal work of ministry? You are not here to support the church's vision. The church is here to support yours. You say, what is the vision of Activate Christchurch? I'll say, my vision is to help and support and encourage and equip you for your vision. How many people we got in this room? 60 adults? That's 60 different visions, 60 different ways of growing the kingdom, 60 different expressions of Jesus Christ. You're not all here to just bolt into what this organization is here for. We're here for no other reason than to support and equip and train you guys. So we're going to do things like prayer meetings. We have got a guy called Ian Wright coming in in April. And he's an awesome guy. He's been a part of the Acts National Leadership Team for decades. He's just stepped down. And so not only is he going to come in and speak on a Sunday morning, but I've said, hey, can you come in on a Saturday afternoon so that we can run a training session on how to pray? Like, who feels that they could do with some training on how to pray? Like, why do we pray? How do we actually pray effective prayers? The Bible says the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, how, do, how does that work? Um, so those are the three things. A year of foundation on which the next decade is built. It's not sexy. It's not flashy. It's just nuts and bolts. Get down on our knees. God responds to hunger. And I believe that one of the things he's calling this church to is to just grow and increase in our desire for him and in our hunger for him. We will find him on our knees on the carpet. You'll find him in the words and pages of the Bible. You'll find him in here on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning services are important. 
It's a chance for us to come together, to worship him, to be a part of a family, to be encouraged by one another, to be trained and equipped. Can I encourage you to make the main thing the main thing this year? God loves church. He loves Sunday mornings. Loves it. Loves the worship that comes up on a Sunday morning. Why would, why would you not want to be a part of that? We are here for such a short time. There's a verse in Psalms that says that we are a vapour. We are, like we're here and we're gone. We've got a short time to make a difference. Let's not muck about. We're going to take communion this morning. So I'd like to ask the band to jump back up and whoever's on handing out the communion stuff to go and grab those. And As a family, we're just going to commit the rest of the year into God's hands. In an ideal world, because I'm a little bit OCD, in an ideal world we'll do this on the first Sunday of the year. Do the whole year. But we can't because everybody's on holiday and kids are on holiday and families are away. And, uh, and we've got Waitangi weekend as well. So middle of Feb, sort of the best time to do it. But we're going to commit this year to God. And just each of us personally, I want you to just take a couple of minutes and just have a conversation with God about what I've said this morning. What does that mean for you?